This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, welcome to our Easter celebration. It's great to have you with us. There's uh, a number of faces I don't recognise, and if you're visiting us today, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Trust you're enjoying your time uh, with us this morning. And what I want to do now for the uh, time we have remaining this morning is to talk a little bit about the Easter story. And there's not time this morning to, uh, to cover the whole thing. Now maybe you've heard some of it before, maybe it's new to you. But there's not time to cover everything this morning. So I'm going to jump in at one point, really at the point of the resurrection. We've talked about already this morning Jesus rising from the dead. And we're going to jump in on the story at that point. Uh, in the account, really. But the background to it is that, as Tim said uh, a few moments ago, three days earlier, Jesus had been crucified on a cross. And it was a pretty horrific death. And the Romans were good at a whole number of things. One of the things they were really good at was killing people in the most painful way possible. And that's what crucifixion was. And so Jesus had died on the cross. And the disciples thought that that meant everything was over. They didn't fully understand what was going on. They thought it was the end of things. But actually it was God's plan being outworked perfectly. You see, the summary is that Men and women, you you and I, we were created for a relationship with God. Initially it was all good, it was a perfect relationship. And then mankind, men and women, rebelled, sinned against God, went their own way, thought they knew better, did their own thing, turned their back on God. And because of that, because of what the Bible calls sin, there's this great divide between man on one side and God on the other. And no more can mankind have a relationship with God. And actually, no matter what they tried, no matter what they, what men and women might think, oh, that, that might work, that might solve the problem, that might get across the gap, that might, you know, resolve things, it just doesn't cut it. Nothing does. And the truth is that God's holiness means that Rebellion against him, what the Bible calls sin, deserves punishment. Punishment by death. And so we're all under that judgment, actually. You and I deserve it. But you see, the good news about Easter, what we're celebrating today, is that Jesus stepped up and said, I'll pay the price. I'll pay the price. And so think about it for just a moment. Jesus said to you, and in fact he would have said it if you were the only person that needed to hear it. The only person that needed someone to die for them. He said, I'll pay the price. I'll pay the price. And so Jesus died a cruel, painful death, taking on himself the punishment that should have been yours and mine. And he lived a perfect, sinless life never known that separation from his father like he did on the cross because sin got in the way. And so he died, he was taken down from the cross 
he was buried. He was put in a tomb, a cave, cut out of the rock. And that's where we pick up the story. Forgive me for summarising it so quickly. There's so much more I could say. But I want to get in on this part here. John chapter 20. This is John's account, okay? So early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still do not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this Easter time of celebration. And as we spend a few moments just considering what we've read and the implications for us, I pray that you would open our hearts to hear from you. Lord, whether it be uh, a story we've heard many times before, or whether it be something that's newer to us, I pray for each of us, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, what are you looking for? I wonder, what are you looking for? For Mary Magdalene, well, she was looking for the dead body of Jesus, wasn't she? That's what she expected to find. I, I guess she probably hadn't considered how she would move the stone away from the entrance to the tomb. Uh, maybe some few, a few practical details hadn't quite been worked through in her plan, but clearly she was looking for Jesus and expecting a very dead one. She was looking for the body. And she went there to anoint it with spices as the custom demanded. See, clearly she hadn't expected to see the risen Jesus. This was not what she was expecting early that morning. So she was looking for 
a dead body. That's what she expected to find. I wonder, what about you? What are you looking for? What, what would you say you're looking for in your life? Is it joy? Maybe a purpose in life? Perhaps security? Maybe identity? Maybe family? Maybe it's some of those things that you're searching for, or you're looking for. You see, if you've not yet known what it is to have a relationship with this Jesus we're talking about this morning, then you may be looking in the wrong places for those things. You see, looking for them is not wrong. Actually, we're designed for a relationship. As I said already, that's how we're created. We're hardwired to live in community, to have an identity, to have a purpose that's greater than ourselves. That's all the things that God has put in us. They're not bad bad things. The question, though, is where are you looking to satisfy those things, those desires that God has given you for them? What are you looking for? And, And where are you looking as well? Mary, well, she was looking for Jesus in a tomb. She thought that was the right place because that was the last information she had, she had that he'd been put in the tomb. But he wasn't to be found there. She was looking in the wrong place. Luke tells us that an angel appeared and said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus had clearly risen from the dead. So I wonder, where are you looking for these things that perhaps we mentioned a moment ago, perhaps satisfaction or joy or purpose. You see, it's very easy to put your hope in the immediate, isn't it? What's around you, what you can see, what you can touch, what is, what is just there within, within reaching distance. Things like your job or maybe your friends, perhaps your family, maybe your money or your education. But you can lose your job, friends can desert you, you can run out of money, and your education may not deliver all that it promised. So it might be you say, no, no, it's not the immediate for me, it's the future. It's what I'm going for, what's what's ahead? It might be that promised pay rise or promotion. It might be the hope of getting married and starting a family. Maybe it's a win on the lottery. But it's something that's out there that hasn't happened yet. See, none of those things are guaranteed, are they? And even if they were, would they bring you what you're really looking for? Would they bring you answers to the questions that you have? Would they bring satisfaction to what's in your heart? Would they bring you an ongoing, loving relationship with someone who will never let go, never let you down, and never, ever leave you. Truth is, they won't, isn't it? Would they offer forgiveness for everything that you've ever done wrong? Would they offer an eternity with God and a purpose for living now? You see, the vast majority of our society, people that we live around, people that you and I would interact with on a daily basis, the vast majority of people in our nation are looking for fulfilment in the wrong place. Or the wrong places. It's not to be found in the bingo hall on Friday. That's what you like. Not to be found in nightclubs on Saturday, if that's more you. Or it's not to be found in the virtual world of Facebook at any time. Jesus said, John chapter 10, I have come that they may have life and have it 
to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Other translations talk about an abundant life, a rich and satisfying life, a real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. That's a good description, isn't it? And that's what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10. I wonder, is that what you thought the Christian faith was about? That sort of life? You see, if you don't know Jesus this morning, yet, then this Easter could be a fantastic one for you. Maybe you might get to know him for the first time and receive his love and grace in your life. There'll be a chance for you maybe to think about that some more as we uh, wrap up in a few minutes' time. But this message is also relevant to you if you're already a Christian. And for many of you this morning, you would be. Maybe you've followed Jesus for a number of years now. And if that would describe you, then my message to you this morning is this. Don't settle for less than God has for you. Don't settle for less than God has for you. You see, too many Christians settle for less than what God intends. See, the Christian life is not about church on Sunday and trying to be good during the week. People think that's more, is that what it is? No, it's not. The Christian life is about living a life full of God's presence, being sustained by his grace, and living on purpose to fulfill all that he has for you. That sounds better, doesn't it? Don't you think? Yes, there's heaven to come, and eternity with God in new heavens, new earth, when God makes all things new, but there's also a life to be lived now. Now. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, Jesus said. He's not just talking about a future thing, but something now. Something that you might experience today. So God has a plan and a purpose for you. He has things for you to do in his kingdom. A part to play that actually only you can play. Don't miss it. Don't miss out. Or maybe you might say to me, well, yeah, Graham, that sounds good, but you know what? I, I, know I was following Jesus and it just all went a bit wrong. All went a bit, you know, Pete Tong, we might say. All went pear-shaped. Everything just collapsed around me. I thought it was going this way and it went that way. And I thought I was following Jesus and then something happened and you don't know what it is and I could never come back now. Jesus would never accept me. Well, you know what? Peter felt a bit like that. Peter let Jesus down. At the moment where Peter had an opportunity to speak for Jesus and to say, yeah, I know him, I follow him. What did Jesus do? Oh, sorry, what did Peter do? Peter denied him. He said, no, I've never heard of him. I don't know who you're talking about. It's not me. I, I wasn't with him. He must be mistaken. And then Peter realised what he'd done. Devastated that he'd let his Lord down. In his hour of need. What does Jesus do? Does Jesus come to him and rebuke him? Have a go at him for letting him down? No, what he does is comes to him and loves him. Demonstrates to him that his grace is still sufficient even for Peter. When they finished eating, John tells us in John 21, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. See, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Jesus gives Peter three opportunities to say that he loves him and is going to follow him. Maybe you need to hear Jesus coming to you this morning, saying, do you love me? Are you going to follow me now? Do you really love me? If that describes you, then God's grace is sufficient, friends. If you come to him, humbly asking his forgiveness, his grace is sufficient. It really is. So, Let me say this. For those of us who are Christians, many of you would be this morning, it's easy to look to other things for fulfilment. It's, it's so easy to be caught up in the now or caught up in going for something else and to miss what God has for you. It's so easy to look for other things to find satisfaction and to expend so much energy in those things that actually no energy left for following Jesus. For me, I remember... A few years ago, in my early 20s, so not, not that long ago, really, I was working in, stop laughing, I was working in central London, and uh, I had a good job. It was a busy, it was quite a responsible job, and, um, but it was, it was just taking everything out of me, and I enjoyed it. I was working hard, I got, got paid well for the privilege of, of what I did, and, and enjoyed that. But I've discovered that my Christian life was getting squeezed out. No, I wasn't being sinful. I wasn't actively rebelling against God. But I was giving so much to this particular job that I was in at the time that everything else was just getting squeezed out, particularly my, particularly my Christian life. And it took a friend to come to me and challenge me on it. To say, what are you doing? You, know, you said you wanted to do all these sort of things with your life and you, you, you might do and now look at what you're doing and do these things add up and it took a close friend to challenge me quite directly to say listen don't spend all your energy in, in that area and what God's spoken to you about maybe it's true for you as well you got so caught up in living for the now or maybe for the things that you're, you're going for that there's no energy left for following Jesus and he's just somewhere on the margins and you sort of, you know, just tip your hat to him once a week on a Sunday morning and just sort of, you know, glide through. But he's not a central part of your life. Don't miss out on all that Jesus has for you. Maybe you're looking to other people to validate your sense of self-worth when actually your security should come from Jesus and your relationship with him. Maybe you're trying to achieve certain things in your life in order to please other people, be it consciously or unconsciously. You need to hear that you are loved and that you are accepted by your Father in Heaven. So, what can we celebrate at Easter? Well, this is more than the conclusion, okay? This is the very reason we are here this morning. What did the angels say in Luke 24? He's not here. He has risen. 
Hallelujah. This is the biggest news story ever. Depending upon your age, there will be certain news stories that are ingrained upon your mind. So for some of you, you might remember the shooting of Martin Luther King, for example, JFK. You might remember the death of Presley. For those of you a little bit younger, you might remember where you were when you heard the news that Princess Diana had died in a car crash. Maybe you might remember where you were on 9-11, seeing the horrific pictures of the Twin Towers in the States. They're all big news stories. You probably remember where you were when you heard them, what you were doing, who you were with perhaps, how you heard the news. They're all big news stories. But listen, this is the biggest news story ever. Think about it. The whole of history turns on this one event of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. B.C., A.D., before Christ, after him, the whole thing turns on his death and resurrection. The whole of history refers to this one point in time. History looked forward to this point in time. History now looks back to, that's when we measure our date from even. Everything changes with the resurrection. This is the biggest story ever. And the news is that this risen Jesus is still changing lives, still rescuing people, still affecting nations even today. John Stott said this, Christianity is in its very essence a resurrection religion. The concept of resurrection lies at its heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. He is not here. He has risen. He was dead, but is now alive. The truth of that statement changed everything for the disciples. Later that day, Jesus appeared to them. Acts 1 tells us that over the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to them many times. He had conquered sin and death. Death did not have mastery over him and now it doesn't have mastery over us either. Sin did not have power over Jesus and it doesn't need to have power over you either. You can know the power of God at work in your life to overcome sin, to live a life that honours him, that is holy and pleasing to him. You know what Paul says in Ephesians 1? In Ephesians 1, Paul talks about the power that raised Christ from the dead. And what he says is basically this, it's the same power that's at work in you now to help you live for him. Think about it for a moment, it's the same power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. If you know and love and follow Jesus. Now I'm I'm not a, a great scientist, I'm not sure how you would measure such power. But however you did and whatever number you might put on it, it would be huge. Dead, raising power, resurrection power, is at work in you. Is at work in you to help you to live for Jesus, to love him and to honour you. Power to overcome sin, power to witness, power to live for him. You see, friends, the resurrection changes everything. It really does. Nothing is the same. Because of Christ's resurrection, you can know the forgiveness of sin in your life. You can know new life in Jesus now. 
You can know his power at work in you. An eternity with him guaranteed. Whether you're coming to him for the first time or whether you're coming back to him for the nth time. Jesus stands with arms open wide, ready to receive you and welcome you home. You see, we're designed for a relationship with the living God. Because of what we've done wrong, that's not possible unless God does something about it. And he has done. Jesus has come. Lived a perfect, sinless life. Died on the cross. And rose again. Jesus bridged the gap that you and I couldn't bridge. The punishment for sin that should have been ours was on him. He died in my place. You know what? He died in yours too. But what we've read today, what we celebrate at Easter, is the story doesn't finish there. He didn't stay dead. After three days, the Bible says he rose to life again. He's not here. He's risen, the angel said. Conquering death and its power, bringing the forgiveness of sin and the promise of new life to all who trust in him. That's what we celebrate at Easter. That's what we're celebrating this morning. And this morning, you can know him. You can know him. If the band can come up, please, we're going to sing a final song in a moment. I want us to give us. I want us to give. I want to give you. Get my teeth in. An opportunity to respond to the Lord this morning. Can we? Can we stand together? Because the band are coming up and, and finding their places. Let me ask you, is today just about chocolate? Or is it about the risen Christ? What is it about for you this morning? What does Easter really mean? Let's pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful Easter time. We thank you that we can celebrate and thank you for going to the cross, for dying the death that you died, for paying the price for us and for rising again, bringing new life to us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the celebration that Easter is. We thank you for the life-changing events of the resurrection. Lord, we love you. We want to pray this morning, O oh God, you'd help us to live for you. Thank you, Lord, that resurrection power, life-changing power, is now at work in each of us. Lord, the very power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in each of us. Lord, we thank you for that. We love you for it. We pray, Lord, even this Easter Sunday, we would know your power working afresh in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. I said a little bit earlier, I wanted to give you an opportunity to respond. So perhaps if we could have our eyes closed for a moment.
This morning, we've talked about Jesus' death and resurrection. We've talked about his grace, how he comes to us not expecting us to pay the price or to do well in a test or to reach a certain standard, but rather he comes to us with a, an offer of his grace and his offer of forgiveness and new life is a free gift. It cost him everything, but he gives it freely. And I know many of you know that and live in the good of it. And we celebrate that this Easter time. But so we have every eye closed now. If this morning you want to respond to his love and his grace, maybe for the first time, or if you want to come back to him, feeling a bit like Peter, it all went a bit wrong, but you want to come back to him again, you just raise your hand, I'll have to pray for you and pray with you this morning as we wait in his presence we thank you Jesus whether it's the first time for you or whether you want to like Peter (laughs) come back again just raise your hand I'd love to pray with you thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.